Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. To build 21st century wealth, you're going to need to look at wealth in general through a very different lens and build what Rachel Podnos O'Leary calls your personal financial audit. Necessarily translate to having wealth. Uh, To me, wealth, put simply, would be having a high net worth. Um, Assets, having high assets relative to to liabilities. Ideally, not having any liabilities, uh, but, but yeah, having a high net worth. And if you have a high income, but you're not saving or you don't have outside assets through independent wealth or family or whatever it is, uh, then you then you probably are not wealthy. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, And what makes millennials tick? Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. Welcome back to the show. It is so good to have you here. 
Just a quick reminder, make sure you subscribe and follow the show so you never miss an episode because we have got some amazing ones coming up. But in this episode, we're talking about this idea of building 21st century wealth. And I don't know about you, but I have moved into this life stage where I'm really committed to building sustainable wealth. It's probably why I love having guests on the show like Rachel, because it's easy to think of wealth and income as the same thing, but having a high income doesn't necessarily lead to financial independence. Just because you might make a million dollars a year, it doesn't mean you're wealthy or independent. It really doesn't. It's it's like a mind-blowing moment, but when you can wrap your head around that and understand it, that's really where change starts to happen. So Rachel, she's a certified financial planner, and she's passionate about working with other millennials to help them achieve financial independence through wealth building. She's got this amazing new book. It's called 21st Century Wealth, A Millennial's Guide to Achieving Financial Independence. And it is, in my opinion, a powerful read that offers money advice that's really relevant for today. This isn't your parents' financial advice. So she's here to share her secrets to build 21st century wealth and why you need a personal financial audit to get on the path to true financial freedom. So, so excited to bring you this episode. I'm Shonda Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money. On to the interview. We've got a lot to talk about today. I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation. And you wrote this, this great book called 21st Century Wealth. And I think just to start out, I'm curious, you know, what is it about the 21st century that, that really requires millennials to think differently about wealth? Like what are the different parameters that are, that are happening now? Oh, sure. Um, well, I think, you know, let's just take the last 18 months um, <laughs> and, and how much the world has changed in just the last 18 months, let alone um, in this century. Um, I think with, you know, the rise of the internet and technology uh, during this century, really kind of from the turn of the century on, um, progress has, has just been exponential. Um, the world's moving so fast. The world is changing so fast, um, more so than ever before, and and that kind of trickles down into um, into the economy and into ways that affect all of us. Um, changes in the need for for skilled workers, what skills are needed in in the labor force. I think that one in particular has has certainly affected um, millennials. Um, and and yeah, I mean uh, things are moving a mile a minute, and and I don't think they're going to slow down anytime soon. Yeah, I agree. Unfortunately, <laughs> it just keeps getting fast, faster and faster and faster. Mm-hmm. Well, this this idea of of wealth is obviously something we talk about on the show a lot because it's sort of this enigma out there. And I think most people think of of wealth and income, particularly if you're younger and you're just kind of starting out, as, as the same thing. If if I make a lot of money, then somehow I am automatically wealthy. And a lot of people even think that that having a high income really leads to financial independence, which isn't always the case. And that sounds kind of crazy to say, but I'd love to hear what are your thoughts on this? Like, where do we 
what do we need to think about when we think about wealth versus versus income? Yeah, I, I think you articulated it well that having a high income does not necessarily translate to having wealth. Uh, to me, wealth, put simply, would be having a high net worth. Um, assets, having high assets relative to, to liabilities, ideally not having any liabilities, uh, but, but yeah, having a high net worth. And if you have a high income, but you're not saving or you don't have outside assets through independent wealth or family or whatever it is, uh, then you, then you probably are not wealthy. Um, and, and then the, the converse is sometimes we see people who don't have high incomes but are really good savers and they do build wealth through just consistent disciplined saving. Um, you know, if you're making $800,000 a year and you're spending uh, $600,000 a year or whatever it is you're spending, let's say you're spending 90% of your income, uh, you take that person and you compare them with a person that's making $100,000 a year and they're saving half of their income, I would argue that right. that person is going to to ha- to have to reach financial independence certainly um much sooner than the person making 800,000 if you're you know used to spending 90% how are you ever going to accumulate enough wealth to live on uh unless you're just mm. you just stay on the treadmill you talked about net worth and having a high net worth walk me through like how do you figure out what your net worth is and then what would equate to a high net worth? So your net worth is basically what you have versus what you owe. So your assets minus your liabilities. So, you know, everything you own in the world, if you could take it and put it in a bag or a bucket, the value of everything in there, that's your assets. And then you subtract from that any debts that you have, whether it be student loans or a home, home mortgage or what you owe on credit cards, whatever it is, um, and, and the the result is your net worth. As for what constitutes a high net worth, you know, I don't, I wouldn't put a number on it. I think what's important is that people figure out what net worth they would need to reach for for them to have financial independence, for them to be able to live off of their assets without relying on income or or credit from other people, and then to have that. Um, So it really varies from person to person. If If you live a very expensive lifestyle, then I would say for you, a high net worth would be just in terms of like a pure, a number much higher than someone who's able to live very frugally. Um, You know, if you can live on $30,000 a year, um, a high net worth for for you might be like one one to $2 million, right? Um, Whereas someone who's spending, you know, half a million dollars a year, well, a high net worth for them is going to be a lot more. Right. Okay. I like that though. That's kind of like a good framework to, to think about. And I've gotten a lot of questions from listeners, I think particularly in the last year where a lot of people feel like they've kind of got the raw end of, of a stick, whether 
that's financially or they have student loan debt or just the cost of living is mm-hmm. so high and it sort of feels like you're on this treadmill and you're you don't ever get off this treadmill like despite whatever you try it's just kind of the same thing over and over again is there a way to to get off that treadmill or are there steps you can take so that you can really start feeling like you're you're getting some sort of financial independence yeah you know i i also hear that a lot um in in most cases i hear it from you know our peers millennials uh who have a lot of debt who have low mm-hmm. net worth or or a negative net worth um and i understand i totally understand this idea that you know putting money down on massive student loans or or whatever it is can feel like dropping sand on the beach. Um, And a lot of times what I find is that people in that situation aren't being as aggressive or proactive as maybe they could be. And I, and I get it. I think it's because they kind of feel helpless and hopeless and they'd rather not dwell on on the loans. They're trying to enjoy life. They're trying to be happy. And, you know, kind of in the short term, the way to do that is to just try to put it out of your head. Um, But I would argue that addressing these more aggressively in the short term and kind of taking the time to figure out how do I just knock these out? Um, You know, I think that that actually is a much better long-term strategy for getting off the treadmill and and for being happy. You know, I I think an example of this is um, a lot of people that are doing income-based repayment plans uh, for student loans, and they're making these minimum payments, minimal payments, uh, while their loan balance is usually growing and growing. And yes, likely the balance will be forgiven in 20 or 25 years, but if you're a person who, you know, is kept up at night over debt, which a lot of people are, I would say you're not a good candidate for for a program like that. And you're better off just knocking the loans out in 10 years. Um, and and that kind of the the experience of seeing yourself reduce the debt, that builds confidence and it kind of becomes this self-fulfilling yeah. thing. Um, and I've seen people in both camps. So I, I would, and you know, this is generalizing. I mean, you, it really varies from person to person when you look at the numbers, when you look at their life circumstances, when you look at their um, tolerance for, for debt, all sorts of things. But I think that generally the, the solution to that feeling of I'm never getting off this treadmill is taking action, um, it, taking action on a financial plan, you know having an aggressive financial plan that will build wealth for you and, and start where you're at. Um, I think that, you know, if you're able to, to do that and then implement it and continue to implement it, the, the confidence that builds, like I said, it is really does become a self-fulfilling thing. Um, so that would be my advice. I like what you're saying about knowing yourself too. So kind of getting rid of all the distraction and the noise and just figuring out what makes you happy and what's going to make you feel like you're achieving things and you're reaching goals. So I I like that a lot. And 
one of the things I really want to talk about, we've probably already talked about a few of them, but in your book, you talk about creating this five-step, you call it like a personal financial audit, which I think is really cool. And it's it's just a way that people can get onto the path of building their idea of financial freedom. And I'd love for you to walk us through, if you haven't gone through all these five steps already, walk us through what some of these steps are, like what actually goes into your personal financial audit? Yeah, um, sure. And I would say that, you know, if you are someone who, like kind of the person that you just described, a person who is feeling um, like you're on the treadmill or you're in kind of a hopeless financial situation and you're really not sure where to start, I think that, you know, this process would be a good place to start. Um and, you know, everyone has their own process. This is just mine. Um, so yeah. kind of laying out the five steps. So their first is confronting your financial reality. Um, next is educating yourself. That's number two. Number three is setting goals. Uh, number four is making a plan for achieving the goals. And number five, the last step is just ongoing tracking. Uh, and this is basically all of these together are basically helping you create a financial plan, create it, and then continue it on um, and and continue to implement it. Um, And I don't know if you want me to like touch on each of those steps in a little more detail. I'm happy to. No, well, I don't want to spoil the book. So I want everyone (laughs) to grab your book. But like, is there is there one step in there where you're just like, this step is my favorite step, or you have to do this step? I would say, well, (laughs) I would say the first step and the last step, um, because obviously, if you never get started, I, I think the first step, which is confronting your your financial reality, and that's that's essentially looking at your entire financial life and figuring out where you are. So, figuring out what is your net worth, and then kind of taking a really deep look at your cash flow situation, like where is your money going? How much do you spend? How much do you save? Um, I think that for that is the starting block, you know, of any financial plan. You have to know that stuff if you want to move forward at all. Um, and and I think even that step, just kind of alone, is really a good impetus for goal setting for a lot of people. You know, if you're kind of living in the dark and you're like, I have no idea what my net worth is. I have no <laughs> idea where my money goes. That's really common. Um, yeah, you know, most people cannot tell you that off the top of their head. A lot of people have, have no idea. That's very common too. Um, so I think that just kind of doing that, especially if you, if you do feel you're in a bad situation and it's something you've been avoiding, I think it's really important, um, for, to get started, you know? So I would say that the first Mm -hmm. step is really important. And then the last step is equally important because the last step is ongoing tracking. And, you know, if you go through all these steps and you create this financial plan that, you know, is kind of reflective of a snapshot of, of this one point in your life, right? And then you never look at it again and, and that's it. Well, it, it's not very useful. Um, I think that you must revisit the plan and it the plan must be changed and it must accommodate changes in your life and it must evolve as your life evolves. So I think you mu- you should revisit it, you know, every year, at least every year and every time you have a major life change, whether that's a change in income, uh, you have a baby, get married, 
buy a house, sell a house, whatever it is, um, the plan needs to evolve. Otherwise, it becomes um, obsolete very quickly. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress toward your financial goals, 
and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash ETM and use promo code ETM at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash ETM and enter code ETM at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash ETM. Go to joindeleteme.com slash ETM and use code ETM for 20% off. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. I've got so many more questions for Rachel, so let's head back into the conversation. 
I want to talk a little bit about your story because I ask everybody that I interview on the show to share a, a financial aha moment with me. And, and sometimes I talk about them on the show and sometimes I don't, but yours I think is really important to talk about. You shared with me that you really discovered the true power of financial independence in your 20s when you had this horrible snowmobile accident. You were airlifted and stuck with this huge deal that you did not have the money to pay. And it's, you know, your sort of story going from there. So tell us a little bit more about, about the story. I mean, obviously, thank God you're okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, tell me a little bit about the story and like what sort of money lessons you really pulled out from this. Yeah, it it is a good story, and I am totally fine now. Um, and this so this was in my twenties. I yeah, I, I was snowmobiling uh, on in in a guided tour in Yellowstone Park, and I just crashed into a tree because I I really didn't know how to oh. operate the, the snowmobile. Probably shouldn't have been driving it. Um, and it, but kind of because we were in the in the middle of a national park, I had to be airlifted to a hospital in Idaho. And, you know, I, I, I recovered physically, but for about a year, I was dealing with the financial fallout of this accident, which was a lot of medical bills. Um, probably, I think, totaling, I don't know, $360,000. Um, wow. And because I was getting care, you know, so I got care in like multiple different states and long story short, it was such a, an education for me and how health insurance works. I'll say that, um, with in network versus out of network and what's medically necessary and on and on and on. And I fought and fought and fought and fought my health insurer to get much of that covered. But there was this one really massive bill for the air ambulance. It was a $55,000 bill that my health insurer was just basically refusing to cover, uh, save a few thousand dollars. And it, it it was just on and on. And this air ambulance um, provider was calling me and kind of harassing me. And, you know, Ugh. up until that point in my life, I, I felt like I was very well off, at least for, you know, kind of among my peers. I was pretty frugal. Um, I, I didn't have any debt. I was contributing to my 401k. I lived, you know, a pretty reasonable lifestyle. So I never really felt like I was in, you know, wanting for things I, I couldn't have or anything like that. Um, and it kind of all came crashing down around me because it made me realize I didn't have an adequate emergency fund, obviously. Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't pay this bill without completely wiping myself out uh, and more. Wow. And it did teach me about financial independence. And obviously, it, it taught me about the importance of probably an even more conservative emergency fund. And, you know, that was just kind of, I think that that lesson for me, at least, I, te- I do tend now to be kind of on the more conservative side um, with things like that. I think COVID just reinforced that even more. I think one thing was I I learned to be financially independent, big emergency fund is number one. I think that's really important for young people, for millennials, Um, because you don't want to be forced to go. Let's say you're already in a little bit of debt. You have, I don't know, student loans or, or a car loan or whatever it is. 
you don't want an emergency to to push you further into debt. So I think having a big emergency fund is really important. Um, but also just kind of more generally, that experience made me think a lot about what it would mean to be financially independent. And I thought about, you know, if I were further along in life and further along in, in savings, and if I were just wealthier, I, A, would have the option of paying this whole bill, which I felt was unjust, by the way. And I felt that my health insurer <laughs> yes. should have been the one to pay it and not me. Um but just the entire experience would have been so much less stressful for me if I'd had more of an ability to pay it. And I, I didn't feel that my life kind of hung in the balance. I felt that this air ambulance provider had so much leverage over me and I felt very powerless. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, I kind of did a lot of thinking and, and I realized that having a large net worth, a large enough net worth to make you financially independent, that goes a long, long way um, towards happiness, towards resilience. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, in the end, my uh, I got it resolved and my insurer paid a, a reasonable amount and, and we agreed to just close the case and it was fine. But Yay. yeah, it definitely was um, very thought provoking. But another lesson, right, in like you sort of held your ground, you were like, this is not right. Mm-hmm. And you didn't just sort of crater into, you know, I'm sure there were lots of panic moments, but you also kind of held strong and fought it. So I think that's like another lesson in, uh, especially with medical bills, that just because the number on a piece of paper says something doesn't always mean you have to pay that amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, Stay strong, but I, I'm curious. So, did, did this whole like incident? Is this what kind of uh, led you to become a certified financial planner? No. So at that point, I actually already was. I was early, early on in my career, um, kind of fresh. I would say um, no. Actually, I kind of, I kind of fell into financial planning accidentally. I, um, I went, I, I got into financial planning after law school. So. After I went straight. Oh my gosh, you did both. <laughs> well, so you I know. have a CFP and that was enough. So <laughs> kudos to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I took a bit of a wayward path. Um, I didn't want to be a lawyer and I, I really wasn't sure what else to do is kind of the long story short and financial planning's in my family. And I just kind of realized this is a great job. And for me, it's a way better job than law. Um, And I I got into it after that. So, um, so yeah, but, but I would say that that experience, the medical bill experience, it didn't cause me to become a financial planner, but it really was kind of formative for me in the way that I think about money. Because it's one thing to take a course um, and, and take a test. It's another thing to, you know, experience something. And so I would say that that experience, it it was, it was just such an education for me. Yeah. And I know that there's another thing that you kind of have a different mindset about. I just want to, I want to touch on and that's retirement. I mean, I feel like we're sort of all beaten over the head, even right when we get out of college, we're taught to think about retirement. And for most of us, it's like, I don't know. I want to go travel to Italy. I don't want to think about retirement, but 
I know you have like a different view on how we should think about or a different outlook on retirement. I'd love for you to just walk us through your thinking. Yeah, I just, I don't think that retirement in and of itself should be, you know, the end all be all goal for millennials. Um, I think there's just, especially in the industry of personal finance, there's so much emphasis on retirement. And to me, what is retirement just means that you stop working. Um, (laughs) right. And that's, and that's just such, it's been such a focus. It was such a focus for our parents' generation, you know, their whole lives, many, many of them were just focused on the day I can take social security. That's the day I stop working. That's the day I retire. Um, give me the gold watch too. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, and you know, I think being so, Uh, Being a young person who works with a lot of older people in my job, I work with a lot of retirees. Um, And I I would say that this this idea that, you know, in your 60s, you just cold turkey stop working, that really actually isn't a good fit for, for many, many people. It is for some people, you know, some people have the whole retirement thing figured out and they have saved enough money to do that good for them. But I don't think that this emphasis on it is um, a good thing. And I think that, you know, our generation, maybe instead, we take kind of a more, a more moderate approach to the idea of work. And I think that millennials are doing this. I think that we see this, you know, you hear over and over um, that employers are like, oh, these millennials, they just want work-life balance. <laughs> they want <laughs> they want the days off and, oh, they want to spend time with their family and wh- whatever it is. I, I think that we are taking kind of a more moderate approach, but I think a, a, probably a healthier and more practical way to approach work is to work maybe a little bit more moderately for a much longer period of time without this plan. Like the day I turn this age in my 60s, I'm done. I'm never going to work again. I'm never going to make earn another dollar in my life. Um, Especially since we don't know what our life expectancies are. I mean, you don't know in 20 years, maybe someone's going to invent a really expensive pill that you can take and live another (laughs) however many you know I don't know I try not to discount anything but I just think we're better off focusing on enjoying life and accumulating assets and becoming wealthy so that we have the option to retire maybe we have the option to stop doing the job we're doing now but it's it's not uh that's not the point I guess is how I would put it I I think about doing nothing quite a lot. And then I think about, I'm not a person that can not do anything in the same regard. So the idea of it sounds so amazing, but the practicality, at least for me, is not so practical. So right, I like the idea of just doing things I love for a long period of time and making money doing them because that makes me feel good. And not that it's just about making money, but it it, it makes me feel um, like I'm con- contributing to to society, to my family, and I think I th- I see a lot of shift in mindsets with people now, kind of thinking that way, and that's really exciting for me. Well, I like to end every episode with 
you've given us so much information, but but with an actionable money tip, idea, strategy, tool, is there something that you think the millennial money listeners like really need to walk away with thinking about financial independence from this episode? Yeah, I would say um, I think as millennials, the biggest advantage that we have right now is that we're still young, especially relative to our likely uh, work lives and our, our life expectancies. And we have so much time and time is is a huge advantage when it comes to building wealth and especially investing. Um, just having time for money to sit in the markets is so powerful. So I would say time is on our side and we should take advantage of it. So if you haven't started um, saving and investing yet, I would start today. Great, great advice. Well, you have been a gem. Rachel, tell everyone where they can go to connect with you, learn more about what you do, and also grab a copy of your book, 21st Century Wealth. So my book's on Amazon. Um, I have a Twitter that's that's basically defunct, but you're welcome to go, to find me there. It's <laughs> at Rachel Podnos. I'm also on LinkedIn, Rachel Podnos O'Leary. And then uh, you can also learn more about me and my firm by visiting my firm's website. That is uh, wealthcare LLC at www.wealthcarellc.com. I'm really loving this idea of 21st century wealth from Rachel to so many of the other guests that we've had on the show. What I'm taking away is that wealth building is possible no matter your age, your demographic, where you come from, you name it. It's it's possible. You just need a few actionable steps and Rachel's laid out so many in this episode, and she's got a ton more in her book, so you definitely want to pick that up. My best advice about this whole wealth building thing is just to start somewhere and take control of building your wealth. I always say that one step is literally one step closer to where you want to be. So just start today. Just take one little baby step, even if it feels like it's not getting you any closer. It really, really is. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with friends, family members, anybody who you think needs to hear Rachel's message. As always, you can head to the show notes for links to our episode guests and our episode sponsors. And hey, do me a favor, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button so you make sure that you never miss an episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com, where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC.